And the woman beheld Samael, the angel of death, and was afraid. Yet she knew that the tree was good to eat, and that it was medicine for the enlightenment of the eyes, and desirable tree, by means which to understand. And she took of its fruit, and did eat. And she gave to her husband with her, and he did eat. Genesis 3.6 Targum Franklin Delano Roosevelt was stricken with polio, and I don't believe a word of it. Yes, that is precisely what I am saying. A United States president faked it. If you believe that is unbecoming of our commander-in-chief, and therefore unimaginable, then perhaps we need to go all the way back to the dawn of human history and begin addressing the deception from there. The serpent lied. Also, Cain was the literal child of Satan. That will be on the test. Presently, we are told that a paralytic illness left Roosevelt paralyzed from the waist down. This is due to the fact that he was diagnosed with poliomyelitis at the time, or polio for short. His diagnosis is debated today, as his symptoms are said to be more consistent with Julian Barry syndrome. But that is likely because GBS is the most common cause of generalized paralysis in our post-polio era, and they are attempting to milk the PSYOP for everything it's worth, keep the stew stimmering on the back burner of our consciousness. We shall turn once more to Roosevelt in a moment, because the context here and the point of this entire episode is polio. During the first half of the 20th century, an entire generation of children were dealt a crippling blow, or so we're told, hence polio. Before this is over, you shall see how and why they've lied to you about that too. I decided to look polio up on the Wikipedia, and this is what I found. Poliomyelitis, commonly shortened to polio, is an infectious disease caused by the polio virus. See, there it is. It's in the opening ceremony. Wiki likes to tell you their agent's role, or in this case, the PSYOP, within the introductory sentence. It's how they pass notes in class, because even spooks gotta eat, and they simply don't have time to read entire articles. There's far too many deceptions for that. If you haven't the faintest clue what I'm talking about, then just know this. Polio is not infectious, nor is it the cause of a virus. Because there is absolutely no connection to be had between disease and viruses. Ridiculous. But the official narrative is a juggling act. They have no choice but to keep the charade going, or else expose everything. Perhaps there is a way to pull the cloth out from the table and keep the piping hot bowls of Beanie Weenie in place. I've seen it done on television, but I'm incapable of doing it. I'm simply not that talented. I'd much prefer pulling the cloth and everything upon it. Better yet, <laughs> I'll just remove a leg and watch the entire table fall. Why delay? Let's make it happen. The establishment has prepared another table before us, and everything on the menu is an unclean animal. Are you ready? I am. You are too? Good. Then here we go. One, two, three, pull. The Unexpected Cosmology, Episode 12. They're lying about polio. Just stop with the vaccines already. Prior to being named polio, K 
conditions that involved the crippling of the limbs were referred to by various names, such as palsy or paralysis. Palsy, however, refers to a sudden weakness of muscles on one half of the face, often resulting from a stroke, and is accompanied by involuntary tremors. Isolated cases of infantile paralysis, however, has been documented for centuries, dating all the way back to the papyrus of ancient Egypt and Hippocrates, a 4th century BC Greek physician. Here's the thing. Long before Pasteur's germ theory hoax, the ancients understood full well that paralysis resulted from exposures to poisonous substances. For example, the hemlock plant contains poison alkaloids. If ingested, conium will cause paralysis of various bodily functions. Though the victim will be able to move, he will potentially remain aware of all that is transpiring around him until paralysis of the respiratory system finishes him off. I am once more reminded of the Socrates death hoax, in which we are expected to believe the philosopher from Athens, selected to bring the mysteries out into the open, was sentenced to die by ingestion by hemlock when in fact his student Plato continued on, building the very foundations of Greek Hellenization unabated, whereas everybody became an immortal soul, thereby initiating everybody into the mystery religion, including Christianity, without consequence. Ridiculous. The death of Socrates is fake news. Globe Earth, introduced to everybody from Socrates' deathbed, wink wink, is fake too, while the rest of the flat, motionless world passed around the hemlock Straining their eyes in hopes of finding the curve just beyond the horizon, Agent Socrates was probably kicking back with a cyclops on the island of Sardinia, sipping sangria from a coconut. Fast forward to the 18th century, according to the official timeline, and doctors in Deutschland began frequently finding that patients, often chemists or miners, were rendered paralytic by exposing themselves to quicksilver. I will remind you that we are dealing with a post-mud flood timeline, when much was simultaneously scrubbed and repackaged into the society construct. Their connection shouldn't surprise anyone, as Quicksilver is widely regarded as one of the most toxic substances on Earth. Quicksilver, a heavy, silvery-white liquid metal, is the alternative name for mercury, number 80 on the periodic table, and is used in the extraction of precious metals such as gold and silver. It is rarely discovered in its pure metallic and naturally occurring form, but usually occurs in something called mercury sulfide, a chemical compound composed of mercury and sulfur. The most common source ore for refining elemental mercury is a bright scarlet to red brick pigmented vein filling mineral known as cinnabar. Case in point, after many years of slaving away in the mines, Cinnabar mine workers often suffer from crippling neurological and mental disorders. See, we're already getting somewhere. In 1824, doctors in England found poisons in certain mineral substances, such as quicksilver, arsenic, and lead, either resulting from their fumes or the administering of a solution to be a leading cause of paralysis. The sick, sadistic psychopaths who rule our world just love to shove these truths in our face and then gaslight us for daring to disbelieve their preferred alternative. Understand what they're ultimately saying here. While it may be true that many of the patients referred to by both English and German doctors were mainly exposed to poisons within their working environment, toxic substances such as mercury and arsenic 
were also used as medicines during the same two centuries. The Greeks had earlier used mercury for ointment, the Egyptians for cosmetics. In the 14th century, it was employed as a treatment for leprosy, and in the 16th century for syphilis. Other poison substances described by doctors at the time, capable of creating paralysis, were phosphorus, cyanide, and carbon monoxide. Fun fact, the establishment named a planet after Mercury, but you probably knew that already. Mercury is part of the Roman pantheon of divine beings. His Egyptian counterpart is Toth. His Greek is Hermes. Among Mercury's divine attributes, he was the Elohim of deviation, trickery, and thieves. He also serves as the guide of souls to the underworld. If you listen to my episode, Pinocchio is Dead, The Art of Alchemy, then you will hopefully connect those dots and understand why the wandering star deemed closest to the sun would be named after the guide to the underworld. It goes back to the beginning, to the mystery religions of Babylon and Isis, and involves sun worship. Another fun fact, because we specialize in facts here at Cosmology that are also fun, is that the staff of Hermes is designated as the worldwide symbol for commerce, but also for medicine, otherwise known as the Caduceus. The staff of Hermes depicts a coiled double helix made up of twin serpents. The World Health Organization has chosen the rod of Asclepius, entwined only by a single serpent and wielded by the Greek Elohim of the same name, a deity associated with healing and medicine as their symbol. Meanwhile, pharmacies all over the globe prefer a serpent playing the part of the olive in the martini glass for their symbol. Why do I get the feeling that our sick psychopathic slave masters have, oh, I don't know, a thing for serpents? Do you see what I'm getting at here? We are gazing back upon the beginning, the first lie and the last. In the book of Revelation, Yohanan outs Big Pharma as the drug sorcery which leads all nations astray. The Greek word for drug sorcery is pronounced pharmakia, as in pharmaceuticals. Its architects and practitioners are cast into the lake of fire. I point this stuff out to people and they tend to have the same reaction that Hava did in the garden when she saw the serpent. Yeah, but this is different. The contagious nature of polio was first discovered in 1907. Hopefully you will either be struck by the hurricane force winds of my sarcastic sigh or the heavy pendulum swing of my eyes, both of which have attempted to breach your side of the computer screen. The honor of this discovery is attributed to a certain Otto Ivor Wickman. The Wikipedia introduces him, first sentence, as a Swedish physician who discovered in 1907 the epidemic and contagious character of poliomyelitis. By this, we can conclude that Wickman was used to roll out the idea which labeled paralysis as a contagious disease, capable of being spread from person to person. Ridiculous. But that is not all. As part of the package deal, take it or leave it, polio could now be present in people who did not appear to have a severe form of the disease, what is referred to as abortive cases. We are dealing with an invisible enemy. It lives within us. And no surprise, the government needs to eradicate it. Actually, the U.S. Supreme Court had already decided in 1905 with the case of Jacobson versus Massachusetts 
that the constitutionality of mandatory vaccination programs, specifically as it applied to smallpox, would be upheld. Put in slightly different terms, the government will not recognize your body, your choice. The argument was made by Cambridge pastor Henning Jacobson that the mandatory vaccinations which he had received in his childhood home of Sweden as part of their mandatory vaccination programs were both dangerous and temperamental to his health and thereby refused participating in the mandatory American program. Jacobson furthermore said that he and his son had had bad reactions to earlier vaccinations as children and that Jacobson himself had been caused great and extreme suffering for a long period by a disease produced by vaccination. Henning Jacobson was a first-generation anti-vaxxer, and they made an example of him. Wiki just loves to rub the preserved poop from the 1905 lineup of Supreme Court judges in her faces. And I quote, The court's decision articulated the view that individual liberty is not absolute and is subject to the police power of the state. Our slave masters have regularly cited Shaul when dealing with these matters of state, or as Jeff Sessions, 84th United States Attorney General, has recently stated, I would cite you to the Apostle Paul and his clear and wise command in Romans 13 to obey the laws of the government because God has ordained them for the purposes of order. So there you go. Take your medicine like a good boy. Paul wills it. And don't forget your please and thank yous. That is all. In 1910, at the Rockefeller Institute for Medical Research in New York, Dr. Simon Flexner, a professor of experimental pathology from the University of Pennsylvania, demonstrated that germicidal substances were present in the blood of monkeys that had survived polio. What Flexner and fellow researcher Paul Lewis essentially did was produce paralysis by creating a concoction which included the ground-up spinal cord from a polio victim that was then injected into the brain of a living monkey. They then extracted fluid from the infected monkey's brain and injected that into the brain of another living monkey. In fact, any number of monkeys had Flexner's polio injected into their brain. Every single test monkey apparently experienced some form of paralysis. Why are red flags being planted upon the narrative as often as the Arizona bomb blast holes which doubled as Neil Armstrong's moon craters? Because we're not even dealing with a sleight of hand. Injecting toxins into the brain of a monkey or any living animal, including humans, will produce paralysis. This isn't rocket science, people. Actually, come to think of it, it is. The polio virus itself would not be visible to researchers until the 1950s when the electron microscope was available. How was Otto Wickman and his friends capable of handcuffing polio to a virus again? This is basically the equivalent of actor astronauts being successful at sailing past the Van Allen belt to reach the moon in the 1960s and then speaking to President Nixon through a landline telephone on live television despite the fact that NASA admittedly does not have the ability to surpass low Earth orbit today and return. And yet, when it comes to the polio virus, turn-of-the-century doctors were able to locate and make vaccines for it. And at any rate, 
The conclusion to Flexner and Lewis's study on the brain of monkeys, as well as the research for their contemporaries, is that the world needed a mass vaccine for all of humanity, which might induce antibodies as a means to fighting the virus, but that's probably not suspicious. I checked. Flexner was a Jew. His father, Morse Flexner, was a migrant from Czechoslovakia. Simon Flexner's brother, Bernard Flexner, was a prominent member of the Zionist Organization of America, while he himself was also a close friend and advisor to John D. Rockefeller Jr. Yeah, none of this is in any way suspicious. Wedged between Wickman and Flexner are a couple of doctors from Vienna, Karl Landsteiner and Erwin Popper. In 1908, the pair likewise attempted to identify the polio virus using the same research methods. The ground-up spinal cord from a polio victim injected into the brain of living monkeys. I checked. Wiki lists Landsteiner as a Jew. Wink, wink. Another doctor who worked with Landsteiner in discovering the virus was Constantine Lividiti. Lividiti had already been accepted nearly a decade earlier to work with Ilya Ilyich Miknikov, pioneering researcher in immunology and a Jew, wink wink, at the Pasteur Institute in Paris. Hopefully you buy your red flags at a discount price in bulk because we are planting them today like toothpicks in a mountain of pork weenies at a church potluck. Now that the slave monkeys have proven their point, which is to say we should starve off any temptation for allowing our slave masters to inject ground up bones into our brain, the polio myth was ripe for becoming institutionalized. Its premier psychodramatic episode arrived in 1916, when Brooklyn found itself the center of a newspaper-worthy epidemic. More than 2,000 people reportedly died in New York City that very year, and across the United States, polio killed another 6,000, leaving thousands more paralyzed. Pools were closed, amusement parks were closed, the gathering places of children everywhere were closed, the globe may have even spun a little slower, who really knows, because polio was a virus, apparently, and also because the grubby little hands of children are the cause of so much human woe, but not really. The official narrative will tell you that polio infections repeatedly surfaced in the summer months, but that is not what Dr. Ralph Scobie found. In April of 1952, Scobie prepared a statement for the select committee to investigate the use of chemicals and food products in the U.S. House of Representatives. Scobie's investigation dipped its toes into the patterns of the how and when of polio outbreaks. And this is what he found. There was, at the time, dots to be connected between polio and the consumption of fresh fruit, particularly in the autumn, immediately following harvest. The time of year only makes sense as the most probable historical cause of paralysis prior to the vax is toxic pesticides applied to produce. In 1897, for example, Australia saw a large outbreak of polio. Phosphorus had been widely used by farmers for fertilizing that very year. Did they close down the poison produce stands? The answer is no, they did not. Why waste a good psyop? Pasteur's germ theory in bed with Charles Darwin, had only really just begun to be invested in. I checked. 
Darwin is related to all the same people. President Roosevelt is a seventh cousin three times removed via William Brindley of Willenhall. Darwin is also related to 16 signers of the Magna Carta, 14 of which are patriarchs. That's some serious blue blood right there. The Grand Master of Evolution, a basic retelling of the pre-Diluvian Nephilim endeavor, and which the germ theory hinges itself upon, is descended from the gods. So is Marilyn Monroe. They're kissing cousins. Here's something else I learned while researching the polio hoax. During the 20th century, DDT and ice cream trucks were in neck and neck competition for the coveted role of America's pastime. A DDT truck rolling down your suburban street implied you and your childhood buddies were about to have a good time. Dechlorodepiphany, itrochloroethane, referred to us laymen as DDT for short, is a colorless, tasteless, and almost odorless crystalline chemical compound, and organochlorine. It was first synthesized in 1874 by the Austrian chemist Othmar Zidler. FYI, Zidler is a Jewish name. DDT was then developed into an insecticide, particularly to limit the spread of insect diseases during the war, like malaria. Another hoax for another time. The man who made the insecticide discovery is Swiss-American chemist Paul Hermann Müller. By October of 1945, DDT was available for public sale in the United States, promoted by the government for use as an agricultural and household pesticide. DDT was advertised as something good for you. Look kids, the DDT truck has arrived. Go run and play in its fog machine. Was DDT highly toxic? Why yes, it was. And no surprise, in 1948, Mueller won the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for his 1939 discovery of insecticidal qualities and use of DDT, something humanity could celebrate. I checked. Mueller was a Jew. 1921 is the big year. That is the occasion when polio struck Franklin Delano Roosevelt, leading him paralyzed from the waist down. It happened while vacationing on Campobello Island in August, the year after his failed attempt at running for vice president along Governor James M. Cox of Ohio, defeated by Republicans Warren H. Harding and Calvin Coolidge. The future president fell ill. His main symptoms were fever, bowel and bladder dysfunction, numbness, symmetric ascending paralysis, facial paralysis, and a descending pattern of recovery. For the remainder of his life, Roosevelt was left to his wheelchair and the use of braces and canes, which gave the illusion that he was capable of walking. You're probably wondering why I've concluded that Roosevelt faked it. Simple, because Roosevelt is a blue blood through and through. We are dealing with the children of Cain. Let's consider the following. Roosevelt is directly related to five Mayflower passengers. Isaac Allerton, John Howland, and Richard Warren are all his six great-grandfathers. Daggery Priest is a 7th great-grandfather, with Francis Cook being an 8th great. My serial reader and listener will hopefully note that I have no reason to believe the Plymouth Rock narrative happened at all. Though it may or may not be a myth, the names are important. The Mayflower passengers might as well have been kings. Maybe they were more than kings. And for whatever reason, the lineages of our presidents all seem to funnel through them. And speaking of blue-blooded royalty... Roosevelt is directly related to several kings, as we would expect of any U.S. president, 
King Edward I is an 18th great. King Henry III is a 19th great. King Louis VI is a 23rd great. William the Conqueror is a 24th great. King Robert I is a 29th great. Alfred the Great is a 32nd great. And Charlemagne is a 33rd great. He also has 12 signers of the Magna Carta in his family. Hugh Le Bigod, John de Lacy, Gilbert de Clare, Robert Fitzwalter, Seher de Quincy are all 20th great-grandfathers. 21st great-grandfathers include William de Albany, Richard de Clare, Robert de Ross, Roger le Bigod, and Henry de Bohun. As for 22nd great-grandfathers, John Fitzrobert and William de Huntingfield. I'm beginning to believe that the Magna Carta signers weren't even human. Did they touch down at one time upon Mount Hermon? The point I am trying to make here is twofold. Roosevelt is a blue blood and therefore a god on earth. Secondly, do you think they would have offered a member of their pantheon the coveted poison hemlock? The answer is yes, they would, but only in hieroglyphic storytelling. If anything, Roosevelt would produce the sort of paralysis which might thrust the entire narrative forward. Kind of like Socrates and that cup of hemlock they're still passing around. I have just given the ending away. In a little while, you shall have to act surprised. The same sick, sadistic psychopaths who run our world and convince us we're currently spinning at 1,000 miles per hour on the tilted axis of a molten lava space egg while simultaneously hurdling another 67,000 miles per hour around a nuclear reactor in an ever-expanding Kabbalah vacuum, love to shove the truth in our face and then mock us for believing it. Gaslighting is a classic intel technique. For the record, mock speeds begin at 761 miles per hour. I'll let you do the math as to what mock we're reportedly traveling at. Ridiculous. FDR was elected president in 1932, so it should come as no surprise to learn that the first polio vaccine trials, two of them, unraveled under his watch. If you tell me that the vax was not passed around until a decade after Roosevelt's death, then I will remind you that man did not land on the moon until nearly a decade after Kennedy. In his 1944 radio broadcast appeal for more money to the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, Roosevelt likened the fight against polio to the Second World War. Interesting, since Nixon made the same comparison with cancer. Here, Roosevelt quipped, The dread disease that we battle at home, like the enemy we oppose abroad, shows no concern nor pity for the young. It strikes with its most frequent and devastating force against children. And that is why much of the future strength of America depends upon the success that we achieve and combating this disease. And now for an added dosage of irony. In 1935, Maurice Brody prepared a killed polio virus concoction, testing chimpanzees rather than monkeys, next on himself and then on some children. Some 11,000 individuals, mostly children I presume, were tested. Also, his mother was a Ginsburg and his body was inferred in a Jewish cemetery. Meanwhile, John Colmer of Temple University in Philadelphia developed his own poliovirus vaccine, which he tested on about 10,000 lab rats. Scratch that. Children. He experimented on children. Mostly the children offered to science by their doctor parents. The test proved a disaster. Five children died. 
10 more were paralyzed. Countless others were hurt. All were victimized. Here, Wiki writes, The response from other researchers was uncharacteristically blunt. One of them directly called Colmer a murderer. Emphasis is my own. Hopefully, you will see what they're doing here. The establishment loves to show everyone the truth, kind of like a Tartarian world fair, and then mock those of us who refuse to pass our seed through the flames of Moloch. In other news, Colmer likely received the criticism that he did because he's the one guy in the entire lineup who doesn't appear to be a Jew. Don't shoot the messenger. Do you remember that scene from the Michael Bay and Jerry Bruckheimer production, Pearl Harbor? The movie was released in the months leading up to the September 11th attack, and at the time was advertised as the last hurrah for the dying war generation. Bruckheimer is the son of German Jewish immigrants, and in case you were wondering, Bay is also Jewish. Probably just a coincidence. In the movie, Roosevelt is played by actor John Voigt, which is appropriate considering the fact that Voigt is related to all the same people, including Roosevelt. Are you not entertained? In the scene that I'm thinking of, Roosevelt is discussing the bombing of Pearl Harbor with his military advisors, and he tells them, Gentlemen, most of you did not know me when I had the use of my legs. I was strong and proud and arrogant. Now I wonder every hour of my life why God put me into this chair. But when I see defeat in the eyes of my countrymen, in your eyes right now, I start to think that maybe he brought me down for times like these when we all need to be reminded who we truly are. The speech goes on from there. But the point is that Roosevelt is asking something of his military which cannot be done. Mainly, the bombing of Tokyo. The man who is paralyzed from the waist down, therefore, stands up to prove the impossible. I should probably pause here and explain that I only began looking into polio, the very episode which sits now in your lap, because Skynet sent me an article which celebrated recently discovered footage of Roosevelt doing just that. He was proving the impossible and walking. Oh, Noel, shame on you. Leave the polio cripple alone, you tell me. He's painstakingly using leg braces and a cane. The footage comes to us by way of a certain Fred Hell of New York, and his camera work plays off like something akin to the Patterson-Gimlin film. We are treated to choppy footage of the seashore, presumably Fred Hell's family vacation, next a fishing vessel, then a young boy, perhaps his son, holding up the day's catch. Footage quickly cuts to Washington, D.C., as testified by the phallus erected skyward. The camera cuts to and fro, almost aimlessly, blurring random faces on the White House lawn, as if Fred Hell from New York is seeking something. The date, we are told, is April 22, 1935. Fred Hell of New York then steadies his camera upon the south portico. President Roosevelt emerges from the White House and walks across the balcony, before stopping at the railway to wave at the crowd. Catch of the decade. Jeffrey C. Ward, a Roosevelt biographer and trustee of the FDR Museum and Library, explains that only a handful of mostly private snapshots and a few feet of blurry amateur film have been found to show Roosevelt walking. Some 51,391 people were recorded entering the White House gates that day. According to Ward, the Secret Service agents probably didn't see Hell filming during the Easter egg roll 
because of the unusually large size of the crowd on the White House lawn. If they had, they would likely have taken the camera and confiscated the film before giving it back to him. Why was Roosevelt walking? A matter of national security. Remember how 33-degree Freemason, CIA spook, and Jew Abraham Zapruder filmed the Kennedy assassination and nobody cared to confiscate his footage? By the way, his wife Eleanor Roosevelt was related to 12 signers of the Magna Carta. Do you think she'd let her husband sip from the milk bottle? I think not. Fun fact, Eleanor is fourth cousins with Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, Oswald is directly related to 10 signers of the Magna Carta. Same kings too. Marilyn Monroe is a kissing cousin. They're all blue-blooded. And the family of Cain never poisons its own. That is, unless they're divulging secrets. Though in the case of Socrates, the philosopher was chosen to divulge. The poisoning was a metaphor for something else entirely. We arrive now in the 1950s, a monumental decade. With polio, the person finally chosen to pass around the poison hemlock is Dr. Jonas Salk. Don't recognize the name? Then you probably weren't born until a later generation. There's a vaccine named after him. In the years leading up to the vax, the CIA-owned media made Salk into a household name. There's a reason for that. Salk emerged from the National Foundation for Infantile Paralysis, the very organization established by Roosevelt. In 1953, two years before the vax was made readily available to everyone, Salk personally vaccinated his family as part of a highly publicized media event. This was no doubt done in order that media guzzlers, wringing their emotions out and hinging upon every plot point of the unfolding drama, might salivate for the elixir of life. Another fun fact is that the tree of life, according to Kabbalah, contains the way of the serpent. It's an esoteric decryption. The serpent gives life. Jonas Salk was born in New York City to Ashkenazi Jews. After some media reports suggested that a polio vaccine was nearly ready for widespread use, Jonas Salk then went on the radio to deflate the nation's hopes. He insisted, although progress has been more rapid than we had any right to expect, there will be no vaccine available for widespread use for the next polio season. Notice both ways by which he crippled people's expectations. During the COVID-1984 psychodrama, United Kingdom Prime Minister Boris Johnson canceled Christmas. Same difference. A Google search will produce various pictures of Jonas Salk, and it's all propaganda. Look, there is a picture of Dr. Jonas Salk staring into the face of the disease, filling virals, getting stuff done. In another photo, his wife and children smile while he administers the vax. Or this one that I'm about to describe. You will want to take note of the fact that Salk is sitting around with his family, artificially, and reading from Life magazine, spook literature. I decided to look up the issue and give it a good read. Its date is January 10th, 1955, and contains an article where asked spook Howard Hughes gives a premiere of his latest movie, Underwater. If you're incapable of imagining what that might look like, and I don't blame you, it involves scuba gear. Madness. Obviously, poisoning the nationwide food supply simply wasn't enough. Too few children getting crippled. 
DDT had its time. Eventually, that campaign of evil was put an end to, but not really. I'm getting slightly ahead of myself. However, have you noticed they're spraying the skies now too? If not, then you may want to look up and remember the shape of the clouds as they used to be. If you've ever asked yourself why Satan would want so many children dead, then the answer to the seed passed through the flames equation is quite simple. The deed is done for the exact same reason why the ruling establishment want people handicapped and infertile. Population control. It's all a numbers game. Every person prematurely buried under the grass or deemed infertile simultaneously erases the generations of souls who were otherwise expected of them. Case in point, understanding the beginning. When Yahuwah asked of Cain concerning thy brother's blood, he spoke in plural, referring to the many expected descendants of Abel who would never be born, as though any number of abortions had been committed in the taking of his life. It's all a numbers game. In 1954, Salk tested his polio vaccine on a million American schoolchildren. That following year, the inactivated poliovirus vaccine, or IPV for short, became readily available for everyone. Also, it is the vaccine which began to produce cases of paralysis. The vax created polio. In 1972, DDT was banned in the U.S., this is largely due to the 1962 publication of Rachel Carson's book, Silent Spring, which detailed the environmental impacts that correlated with widespread use of DDT in agriculture in the United States. Jimmy Carter eventually awarded Carson the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1980. See how the government plays both sides? Jonas Salk received the same medal in 1977. Uh-huh. Meanwhile, the establishment in the government has ignored all observations between neurotoxins and paralysis and has instead pushed the agenda that polio is the causation of a virus. Ridiculous. DDT was largely replaced by paratheon, an aronophosphate, still toxic. Paratheon is used in nerve agents on the basis that it is known to disrupt processes within the nervous system. It is a proven neurotoxin. Before the 1970s came to an end, Salk and a number of other scientists admitted that the mass vaccination program against polio had actually been the case of most polio cases. Paralysis occurs due to poison, and it was poison which the children were receiving. Try not to let cognitive dissonance win the day. Have you ever taken the time to read the ingredients in a vaccine? Thimerosal is a mercury-based compound. The official explanation is that thimerosal has been widely used since the 1930s as a preservative in a number of biological and drug products, including many vaccines, to help prevent potentially life-threatening contamination with harmful microbes. The establishment will gaslight anyone for believing polio or autism is resulted from the mercury content in vaccines and yet Mercury has been quietly eliminated from most vaccines administered to babies and small children, despite its persistent use in flu shots. The World Health Organization claims that health problems only arise in methyl mercury, whereas ethyl mercury in their vaccines poses no risk. Fact of the matter is, mercury remains a constant of most, if not all, vaccines, including those advertised as mercury-free. 
no matter how you strain or filter it, mercury is a highly toxic element by which there is no known type or safe level of exposure. The World Health Organization is a joke.